last week we started this message and we have 10 points to a great marriage. Um, so if you have not heard it, I would recommend just checking it out so you get yep. caught up. Um, but we just ha- just talked about healthy marriages and honestly in healthy singleness, healthy being a healthy person. Uh, so we're going to continue on tonight, today with, yep. with that message. Um, we're on point five. Uh, but again, if you haven't watched it or heard it, it's on YouTube. So you can grab a hold of it and up. Yep, get on YouTube, like, subscribe, share. That's what I've been yes. told that I need to say. Like, subscribe. Is that right? Like, subscribe, share. Like, subscribe, share. Yeah. Like, you subscribe, guys, online share. Online right now. Go. Online right now, okay? <laughs> so, and you can get the rest of it. So we're going to jump right in to the message today. Point number five. Shot number five. Yeah. Here's the fifth thing to remember. Remember, this is for singles, uh, those of you engaged, married, trying to work on stuff. Here we go. Keep running after each other. There was only one amen, and that was from a single person. It was from a single lady. She's ready. She's ready. Let's try this one more time. Keep running after each other. Yeah. There we go. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 10 through 13 says this. My lover spoke and said to me, listen to the language of this. Listen to the passion in this. Uh, listen to the engagement in this. And this is the Bible, all right? My lover spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come, the cooing of doves is heard in our land, the fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come. This is a scripture all about pursuit, and not pursuit just to gain. And that's what happens in dating so many times, is that like for the singles in here, those dating or, or, or in that like uh, pre-engagement phase, a lot of times we pursue in order to get, but the Bible's teaching us is pursue in order to keep. Yeah. It's one thing to get something, it's another thing to keep something. I didn't just pursue her to get her, I'm pursuing her to keep her. And we have to pursue each other no matter what the cost is. Chasing each other will cost you. Right? It'll cost you, let's see, it'll cost you in time, in energy, in effort, personal comfort. All of these are a part of constant pursuit. And it doesn't have to cost you a ton of money. Like you may, like I don't know everybody's financial position, but sometimes it's just a PB and J in the middle of a park. Right? That, that's how you keep, like, keep, it's going for a walk, it's walking the dog, it, it's sticking the kids in a room with Nerf weapons and locking them in there and just like taking a moment and breathe. That Can I get a witness in like church? Three minutes. Right? Like, that's, that, that's what it means to constantly pursue each other. And it looks different. It's not just opening the door for each other, that, that's part of it, maybe. And it, it, it's not necessarily grand romantic ideas or, or things. Sometimes it's just. Simple things cause us to go the distance. I, I, I work as hard as I can to try to pursue her each day in one way or another. And remember, it's not just pursuing to get. It's not just pursuing to get, like, romance and sex. It went quiet in church. So the first service loved that one. So just throwing that out there. But so many times, we have to reframe the idea of what it means to pursue. Because when we pursue to keep, when we pursue to build, when we pursue to to bring uh, strength and confidence and everything like that, that's actually what it means to keep running after each other. Yeah. One thing I always run into with couples and ask, like literally every time when we hear like there's a communication issue or a connection issue is, well, what time are you making for just the two of you? And for those of us who have kids, you know, that is one 
journey. Yep. Some of us have grown out of that stage where they're at home. And so the reality is, is like you should always have a consistent time where you're consistently hanging out, consistency, yep. consistently connecting, consistently yep. being together. And so to make sure that that is like on your schedule for us, we just every night we put our kids to bed at 730. Amen. We don't even apologize for it, you know. It's fine. We feel great about it, mm -hmm. you know, because then we can actually have time alone. Yep. And, uh, you know, whatever that turns into is what that turns into. But, you know, <laughs> so sometimes it's just chill. Sometimes it's Netflix and chill, you know. So, <laughs> so the reality is, is like yeah. <laughs> you have to make time. Consistent time. Service dismissed. Let's go. We're out. But make time, set aside time, do it intentionally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think uh, one, of, one of the things that we're trying to go at while being lighthearted with it, one of the things we're going at is that one of the greatest killers of marriages is not the devil. We over-spiritualize it. It's our complacency. Right. The devil didn't take it out. Our laziness did. And he just uses the laziness yep. to compile right. doubt in your relationship, insecurity, unfaithfulness. Yeah. I mean, yep. he'll use that as just a ground to build, you know, to, to build yep. nasty things yep, really, 100%. in your relationship. So. And two, let's not, let's not believe that marriage, so many times, we've heard all of these things as we've counseled to people and everything. Oh, we're just not compatible. We just don't work, so on and so forth. Compat like compatibility, it's not this, marriage is not this fatalistic thing. Like, we're not compatible. We, we make it work. Like, there's certain things that she so loves sad. that I don't love. There's certain ways that she's, like, we always view compatibility as, as a thing where we. Liking the same thing. Yeah, liking the same thing, believing the same thing in, in the sense of, like, complete agreeance. If I wanted to date myself, <laughs> if I wanted to marry myself, you see what I'm talking about? No, 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 that's not what happened. Sometimes you guys, sometimes people still go into marriage dating themselves. For sure. That's a different then, subject matter. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, yeah. that's, a huge, that's a huge issue when right. you go into your marriage literally just thinking still of that you're not, that it, it's just still about you. Yeah. And marriage is 100% sacrifice 100% of the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, rarely are you not giving up something in a moment. Right. You know, and you're constantly having to think, okay, how will this affect another human being? Because I am tied to that person, and mm -hmm. I care about how, I should care how it affects that person. Yep. And that's, that's the point. Like, how many of you have heard of the, the scripture before, iron sharpens iron? Yeah. Like, how many of you have heard that before? Most of us have. Guys' ministries have hijacked that. And, and we make iron sharpens iron, we always think about, like, dudes, don't we? We're like, Swords. iron sharpens iron. Swords. <laughs> like, no. Swords. It, 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 yeah, swords, exactly. It's for everybody. <laughs> She's my iron. <laughs> See what I'm saying? And so she actually sharpens me. And, and in many ways, because she sees things different. She thinks things, she thinks through things very differently than I do. So, and as we run after each other, we're constantly engaged with each other. There's this, and it sharpens us and it makes us better. I don't need somebody who's exactly like me so that we can just get along. I need somebody who's going to be different than me. And we, we, we pursue each other. We fight for each other. We work with each other. And because we're different, it actually makes it fun to pursue the other person. Come on, somebody. So there's, there's practical things and all kinds of good things in here. So the first thing that you need to remember, number five, keep running after each other. Number yeah. six. Number six, learn to speak each other's language and serve each other's interests. 
So I don't know if um, most of you have heard of the five love languages, which are acts of service, quality time, personal touch, words of affirmation, gifts. How do I not know that? That's mine. (laughs) And gifts. And so most frequently, we are opposing each other in our love language. Like his love language is words of affirmation. I don't need words of affirmation to be a strong, courageous, beautiful, bold woman. I don't need that. He needs that to be a strong, courageous, Courageous, beautiful, beautiful, bold woman. (laughs) He needs that. He needs words of affirmation to build him up, to strengthen him, to give him the boldness to keep pursuing, to keep going forward. And so I've had to learn, okay, that's not my love language, so it's hard for me to speak that language. I have to learn that language. And I have to, like, literally train myself to use that language frequently because my language is, you know, acts of service and gifts. So he has to learn how to speak that language. And it's not his natural disposition. Mm -mm. It's not my natural disposition to give words of affirmation. And so the reality is we got to learn to speak each other's languages and serve each other with those languages. And love each other from those places that they need it. It's easy for us to love people from the place that we accept and utilize love. right? Right? That's easy. For us, it's easy for me to go about doing all the chores and the laundry and the dishes, and sometimes I'd like some help, but I have little children for that now, so that's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, that's easy for me because it's my love language, and I appreciate, you know, a clean home or, like, things to be a little bit organized or whatever, but yep. it's when he does it, it's better. Come on. All around, it's better, you know? And if you want Netflix until at night, you got to start... <laughs> With each other's love language in the morning. Sure. That's all I'm saying. I took out the garbage yesterday. I heard. You heard. I heard. He always wants me to celebrate these things, but it's just something you should do. It's the words of affirmation. Yeah, you took out the garbage. Good job. Everybody just encouraged you. So... (laughs) Thank you. I feel affirmed. <laughs> um, so, so the big thing is realizing that everybody has love cups. Yeah. That's what I call them, love cups, right? And our job, especially as married people, is to fill the love cups. It's to be working. If, so I, I actually do know that when I take out, like, the trash, it, without her asking or without her reminding her, or, or, or I do the, the dishes, she knows, times. like, I hate doing those things. The dish, does anybody else have an aversion to dishes? Because I love doing the dishes, y'all. Yeah. It's my favorite. Right? <laughs> So for me, it's like the sink and the, and the, ugh, it's gross. But she knows that when I do it, like, I'm not doing it because I want the dishes done. I'm doing it because I'm filling her love cup. You know what I'm saying? And not for any reason, not to get something out of the deal, but because my job is to care for her and pursue her and speak each other's love language and serve each other's interests. And this yes. goes a long way in cultivating healthy relationships. Yeah. Amen? Yep. All right, number seven. Or shot number seven? Seven. Here we go. We are both individuals and one. We are both individuals and one. This is really vital to our relationships. So many couples are trying to pursue God and other things with each other, but the problem is that it's an impossibility if you're not able to pursue God individually. So here's the mass dysfunction that happens in in relationships, especially marriage, is that the other one becomes a conduit for their relationship with God. She is not my conduit 
for my relationship with God. I have my own relationship with God. Right. Now, I, I want to talk to the singles really quick in here because this is really important. If this is not happening before marriage, it makes it even harder in marriage. So the singles, it, it, you're dating him, you're dating her. This is one to pay attention to because marriage, let, let, let's just put this out there, right? Marriage doesn't fix things. Marriage is not a tool that fixes things. Like, oh, well, when I get married, then. Like, if, if we get married or if we continue this relationship on, then he or she uh, will, continue, like, will pursue God or, or things like that. No, 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 uh-uh. Marriage is not a fixer. It actually continues to highlight things. Marriage doesn't fix the porn problem. Marriage, come on, it doesn't fix the addiction. It doesn't fix the anger issue. It doesn't fix the daddy issues. It doesn't fix all those. There's one person who fixes those, and that is Jesus. Right. So at the end of the day, they should be going to Jesus first. Like, should I ask them if they're like into Jesus on your first date? Yes. Yes. Don't even go on the date. Yeah, if you don't, don't know even the eat bread. Saying. Be like, hey, before we eat this bread together. How about you just send a survey before you even go? Just a survey. Right. Survey says no. <laughs> <laughs> this is what puts Christ at the center of all these things. Right? Is that, is that when we're individuals, and then you can actually become, become one in, in, in this way. Yeah, that. I think that the, the struggle that we often have is that we just take on each other's identities. Mm. And while the Bible says that two become one, that's because we come under the covenant of marriage. And the yeah, covenant yeah. of marriage, the covenant period, is not to be separated. So that's what the, what the Bible is referring to. It is referring to the covenant not being separated, that we became one person under the covenant of marriage. But it is not saying that we do not have individual personalities and identities. Yep. And so making room for each other's individual personalities and identities makes the one better. Yeah. And so for us, like, we have, we have to constantly, like, monitor this. Because yep. what he loves to do and just fills him up and, like, fills up his um, just adventure cup. He calls it his adventure meter. Mm -hmm. And he'll tell me, my adventure meter's low. And I know then that I'm needing to make space for him to have adventure. I don't have to give him the adventure. I don't have to <laughs> set him away on the adventure. <laughs> I don't have to be a part of the adventure. That's funny. <laughs> Stop being, just I'm not, your no, mind. I'm, you're good, go. <laughs> but I got to make space for the adventure, which yep. for him would be like trying to drown in a river and the fish and fish. Yep. Uh, and <laughs> usually I need to send someone else on the adventure though, because there's strong possibility of it's danger. It's got to be dangerous. Yep. Uh, but you know, I realized, okay, so I need to make space for that. So for me, I appreciate and value alone time yep. to the point where I would go to movies by myself and it was amazing. When I was pregnant with Justice, I would go to movies by myself all the time. And he could not wrap his mind around it. Nope. He's like, I don't understand. That's so terribly dysfunctional. And yeah. I'm like, no, it's not. It's how I become functional, you know. <laughs> and so I even had to set out, like, just a, a, a month ago, I said, just so you know, I now know that I'm going to need at least two times a year where I take at least two nights away by myself where I'm going on a retreat by myself. Next week, I'm going on a retreat by myself. Yep. Because I told him that, and he said, hey, I've couple weeks later, he comes and says, hey, I was looking at the calendar, and I think you could go take a retreat these days. So I didn't have to go ask him for it again. I just said, this is what I need. And he was thinking of it, and he made space for it. And so I think the reality is, is that we have individual needs. Yep. 
Some of us fill up with people. Some of us feel up, fill up alone. Yep. And like when you're trying to be one all the time and always together, that isn't necessarily a healthy relationship for each of you. Nope. One of you could be drowning in that, to be honest. And one wow. of you could truly need like each other and connection. So you have to just be mindful that each other fills up and connects with God individually in their own way. And yep. they need space to do that. This is, the, this is the handle if you need to write something down today. Pursuit of God individually creates harmony corporately. So it, like leading, like living out those things, being able to do that, I know that there's going to be harmony in our marriage because she's going to get away individually. Y'all see what I'm talking about? So where there's this individual thing going on, then we're going to have harmony corporately. All right, here we go. Here's the next one, number eight. Children are not detours. Okay. Psalm 127 verses 4 to 5 says this, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gates. Children are not a derailment or a distraction or a deviation from the journey. They are an accompaniment to it. Okay, so this is what happens so many times in, in, in parenting is that kids, once kids come, then we think, like, all bets are off, like, I, I no longer have purpose, I no longer have a reason, my purpose is now just to, like, raise these, these little, little people and, and, and do my Which job. Which isn't a just thing. Some people are called to, yeah, 100%. like, 100%. I'm not, I'm not okay. demeaning it, I'm just speaking to one that has a tendency to be, get overridden. Which is so many people try to do everything. I think this is actually why people are waiting longer and longer to have kids. Because they got to think that they got to do their life up until that. But once I have kids, I have no life. Does that, does that make sense? So before, um, back, back in the day, um, kid, kids happened younger because there was a different view on parenting now. We have adopted the view and we think it's a very biblical and healthy view. That these guys are not a derailment to the, to the thing that God has for us. They're in addition to it. You can still pursue the destiny and, and the vision. You can yeah. build amazing things for God. You can build amazing businesses, amazing homes, do all the adventure in the world that, that you believe God has put inside of you with your kids. It doesn't need to be a derailment. Come, right. Can I get an amen to church today? That, yeah. They actually need to see, like our kids need to see us pursuing Jesus. Yeah. Our kids need to see us pursuing the destiny and the call on our, on our life because it actually teaches them by way of example, it's not just lip service. Like my son, uh, I'm actually really stoked about this. Um, he'll be coming on his first ministry trip with me this, this summer uh, when I go speak somewhere and I ask the people who are bringing me, hey, can I bring my, can I bring my son with us? Um, so that way he can experience that, that reality. So, like, now I'm super excited because he can ride on the plane with me and be in the hotel with me and go with me to church. And he's going to be my little ride or die in this. And he's going to get to see, he's going to get to see what God has for his dad and at the same time be included in that journey, not pushed out of it. Yeah. And, it yeah. and it's important because ministry is not going to break our kids. Ministry is going to build our kids. That, that's for our house. If you're and, healthy. If you're healthy. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, I was just going to add, too, that um, oftentimes the children becomes the detour to everything in your life, including your marriage. And so that, this is the detriment we see constantly, yeah. is it's like your marriage hasn't been cultivated for 18 years mm. because you had kids and you just let them take over your world and run everything. 
And so the unhealth in that is that obviously your marriages are crumbling. They leave the home and you don't know who you are anymore. You don't know what your identity is because you never sought that. You just thought, well, I got, I got these kids. I got to get them through and help them live. And everything else went to the wayside. Yep. And so then you become unhealthy in your marriage because you didn't cultivate your marriage. Yeah. And we always say marriage first, kids second. Yep. Because kids leave. Marriage shouldn't leave. Right? Stays. Like healthy marriages should stay. Yeah. And so if you put your kids first above the marriage, though, that's where you have so many struggles. Yeah. And so many people divorcing as soon as their kids leave the home as if now it's not as big of a deal to them. It's a huge deal. It doesn't matter when it happens. It's a huge deal to your children. Yeah. So cultivating a healthy marriage throughout and letting them know who's first right. in your relationship really does make a difference. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Mom and dad, they, they are putting the, each other first. Yep. Now I know how to have a healthy relationship with, with yep. my spouse one day. Yep. And when they watch that, like, this is, not, this is not to put shame on anybody, just so everybody knows. Like, we're just talking straight at this stuff, but this is to help us. It doesn't matter whether you have young kids. Obviously, those of us with younger kids, this, we're going to probably lean into this one a little bit harder. But those of us with teenage kids and, and, and everything like that, like, I had the conversation with my son. Um, he wants to play, like, he wants to play football. And... He would go, like, to the tilt with it because he's kind of like me. He's like a dog-on-bone personality. Once he gets it in his head, he's, like, raging on it. Like, that, that's me. I'm all in. I buy all the things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You just throw, like, all the way in. So he's like, Dad, I'm going to go to the NFL. And I looked at him, and I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> no. What I was doing was not trying to bust his bubble, but I was already setting up a precedent that we're not going to run our lives around football. And his desi- you see what I'm talking about? Instead of running from practice to practice, this to this, this is I have a friend in the room who's on the, who's on the team with, with my son, and we were joking around on the sidelines. Like, our coach, this was flex football. Flex football. If you don't know what flex football is, it's one step up from flag football. Okay? They, two-hand touch. Okay? And the coach had him doing three practices a week. I know. Which started to invade our world, and it, it got our flow off and everything like that. And so we had to, like, pivot a little bit and, and redo some stuff because here's what we're saying. We're like, we value all of your things, kiddos. We want to be able to do that. But we have to remember that the family unit and, and this thing right here is more important than flex football. Yeah. Well, and it No one wants to, to say amen right now. As for me and my house, but, we serve the Lord. Yep. So mm-hmm. our call as a family is this house, right? Yep. Our call is to build the house. And so whether our children are the legacy to that call or not, we don't know. We're not going to put that pressure on them. But they go to youth group. Yep. They go to church on Sundays. Yep. You know, they, there are these things that will be there. Yep. And that everything else works around that. Because that's where their soul is cultivated. Come on. That is where they learn, where they grow, yep. where it's not just mom and dad feeding their faith. But that the church is partnering with that. And so, you know, lots of families have lots of different dynamics and have yeah. chosen different ways. And I think that's amazing. And it is according to your family. We're going to get into that in a couple points. But the reality is, as long as Jesus is first in that. So if, yep. you're, if they're not able to get to youth group on Wednesday night, what are you doing to cultivate their soul during the week? Yeah. When they've practiced five days a week so and now have Saturday. What is, who's cultivating their soul? Yeah. So I could just talk about that for a little while, but we're not going to. But Go I think ahead. it's really good. We need to lean into this one because in every service it's different. So just come to all three services on the yeah. weekend and you'll get a different message. Yeah, we didn't say any of that. Um, we didn't say any of that in the first service, but I, I know that we have a lot of parents in this service. But I, I think that is really true because, like, so many times the kids create the boundaries instead of us creating the boundaries for the kids. Right. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, you are a shepherd of your house. 
And so, I mean, she's 100%. It's not a legalistic thing to say, like, our kids are in church. They're at, they're at camp. Like, and that's not because we're the pastors, so they have to do that. At the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not just cultivating my kids' soul at home, but they're a part of a bigger thing called community of faith. That's why we have a youth pastor and who's doing an amazing job, by the way. And that's why I have... Pastor Sarah. Yeah. That's why we have... That's why we have an amazing kids ministry that you yeah. can put your kids in, even right now. Like, you can do that. Because, and that's where, my, that's where my kids are at. And it's not glorified babysitting, it's cultivation of the soul. And I can tell you that my yeah. son's football team, their mission was not to cultivate his soul. My, my son's football team, the mission was not to bring him closer to Jesus. It was to beat the other team. That was it. So yeah, does he learn how to play and does he learn teamwork and everything like that? But at the end of the day, you can learn all those things. But if your soul goes, why the Bible says it, if you gain the whole world but lose your soul, come on, what good is it? What good is any of it? What good is it if my son does go to the major league? Like, just a miracle. And he went. <laughs> and still went to youth on Wednesdays right. and Sundays. <laughs> I would much rather a son or a daughter moving into the grand purpose for their life with a cultivated soul rather than moving into the purpose of their life and be desolate on the inside. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yes. all right, that's enough of that. Number nine, go. Is it though? There's is it so though? Should more. we stay here? Number nine, communication is more than talking. James 1, 19 through 20 says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Yeah. Proverbs 18, 2 says, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinion. So here's the thing. Communication is one part of the conversation. Yep. Communication is assertive talking. Healthy communication is thinking through what you're saying and how you're saying it. Yep. And then the other side is active listening. It's not, here's my, here's my argument and here's my defense. Here's right. my argument, here's my defense. You know those those conversations that never go anywhere because the whole time the other person is just building a defense while you're talking. They have no idea what you said. They just built a defense. And have you ever gotten to those arguments where you're like, how did we get into this conversation? That was not where we started. Right. We started talking about, like, I wish you would take out the trash more. And now you're screaming at me because of some deep, deep, dark issue I never knew about. Right. <laughs> you know? Have you had those conversations? Where it's like something that meant to start one way ends up being blown up into something completely different. And you're kind of like, how did we even get here? And what's the real point? Yep. What's the real struggle? So learning how to communicate assertively in such a way that our talking actually adds value and gets a clear picture of what we're feeling. Right. And then assertively listening or actively listening to yep. the person who's sharing their heart with you. Yep. And here's the thing. Raise your hand right now if you enjoy conflict. Nobody enjoys conflict. Okay, so here's the point. If we can just assume the highest of each other yeah. and know that if I'm bringing something to you, then it's hard for me to do that because I don't like conflict and I don't right. want this to blow up and I don't want you to under misunderstand what I'm trying to say and I want you to hear my heart and I want you to know yep. what I truly feel. If we could just start there with knowing that that's a hard place to be and that nobody likes conflict, so the fact that I'm bringing this up is very difficult for me. And if you can, as my, as my spouse, go, I know that was really hard for you to say. What I hear you saying is this. Is that Great, what baby. you're saying? Yep. If we could slow down instead of 
like just blowing up on each other because we're in a tude that day and nothing someone says is going to be good enough. Right. Even if they said it with all the right words and the prettiest picture, it still wouldn't matter because I just don't feel right that day. Can we just be the kind of people who actually assume the highest of each other? And this is just corporately. If you're offended by someone, can you assume they didn't mean to offend you? Yeah. Can you go to, and if someone comes to you and is offended, can you assume that it's really hard for them to tell you how they're offended? And can we just say, hey, I know this is really hard for you. What is your heart? What are you trying to tell me? I want to hear. So great. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. That's not my intention. Yeah. Like going back to last week, if we could just be okay with sorry first, it would go so far. So it's just the reality is that communication is about talking well and sharing your heart as best as you can, sharing what you're struggling in the best way possible without the always and the nevers. We don't use those words in our house. Always and never, don't make the cut. Okay? But with the, hey, I feel like when you do this, this is what I feel, and I'd feel better if you did this, you know? And then you observing and hearing and saying, okay, I know this is really hard, and even though I'd like to get heightened and frustrated and angry, and I could say all the things and tear down your argument in five seconds, what did you say? Okay, let's try again. I didn't hear you right. Okay, you know, and actually assuming the highest. It would just go so far. I feel like so many of us would learn how to enjoy conflict resolution because it doesn't turn into a blow up. Yeah. It turns into a puzzle where you get to like put together the pieces of like, okay, I'm trying to understand you. We're still not on the same page yet, but if we just keep moving the like pieces around until we like kind of get it, we're going to click in. Yeah. And suddenly we're going to have stronger, better communication because we chose to assume the best of each other and to listen well and to speak clearly and speak well. So great. That was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. It'll be different next time, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so you could be single in this room right now or engaged, and you could be listening to me like, you're talking about married people a lot. No, no, I'm talking about everyone. No, I know that. that that's what I'm about to say. everyone, yeah, that's what I'm, know. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> Too slow, Joe. Active listening. <laughs> slow to speak, quick to listen. Okay. Um, <laughs> so... You have, to, you have to remember, like, dating and, and the pre-engagement phase of your, of your life, that's like your learner's permit for these things, yeah. right? Like, you, you got to learn these things now. If you think that marriage is the time that we start learning those things, man, you are setting up marriage to be a rocky ride. So we learn conflict resolution now. We said this last week, but if you're, if you're dating somebody right now or you're engaged right now and you've never seen them angry, slow your roll. <laughs> like, slow your roll. You have to see, like... I, I would encourage, and I encourage couples to go slower in that phase because I want you to see, I want you to see anger situations. I want you to see sadness situations. I want you to see devastating situations. I want you to see letdown situations. Come on, because those are the moments when somebody goes through those things that the real them comes out, and that's how you know if you're going to be able to communicate on these things. Married couples, this is why taking time is so important. If we're pumped that our calendar is so busy all the time. So then what we do is we do drive-by talkings. Well, there's no communication happening. You're just barking orders at each other. That's not real communication. Real communication is being able to stop and be like, how's your soul? How are you doing? Oh, I've noticed she needs to take her little mini retreat. Those are important things. And then let me say this. Communication is more than talking. Sometimes it's just touch. 
That's really, that's really important. I have, a, uh, I have a book that I'm getting ready to read this, this year that's all about the ministry of touch, what it actually means to be touched. I, I got it because obviously in the whole social distancing reality that we're in, and again, I'm not making a political statement when I say this, but there are like biblical affirmations as to the importance of touching. Yeah. Like we, we need it. No one put their baby down for six months. Touch builds something inside of us. So sometimes she's really great at this. Like when we've had an argument or we're in a frustrating moment or she knows I'm, I'm in some sort of way, she does this really well. And I notice every time that she does it, we'll be sitting on the couch and sometimes like I'll do it. I'll go distance like don't touch me. That's kind of my, that's how I can go sometimes. So I'll, I'll go distance and all of a sudden she will like, she'll cozy up to me. She'll scoot over on purpose. She'll put a pillow on me. She'll just like lay down. She'll make sure. And even if I fidget it, she just, she's there. She just. Can't deny it. Yeah, because what she's doing, Can't she's trying to it. communicate to me without talking. We don't, we don't need words right now. Let me just, we'll, we'll just touch. Does that make sense? Yeah. So communication is more than talking. Anything we need to add to that? Should we jump on 10? No, we gotta go. Oh, we gotta go. Go. 10. All right, number 10. Great marriages are cultivated, not canned. I think in a very uh, Instagram, everybody's famous, everybody's life looks beautiful kind of world, or even with us sitting up here, we can have this temptation to be like, oh, my life needs to look exactly like that. And the reality is, is that each of us is uniquely designed. So we're uniquely designed as individuals, then we come together as a couple, and our couple, our relationship is uniquely designed to impact in a different way than everyone else's. Yeah. Last week, we talked a little bit about how our our relationships are to be an example of the gospel. Yeah. The first vocation of our relationship, the first vocation of our marriage is to be an example of the gospel. The first reality of our singleness is to be an example of the gospel. So when we're living healthy lives and we're doing things according to the kingdom principles, we're going to have marriages that look very different from each other's, but in a God-oriented, kingdom-present kind of way. Yep. And the reality is, is that yours won't look exactly like ours. There'll be certain values that are the same. There'll be certain things uh, going on in marriages that we'll be able to identify like, oh, that's what healthy love looks like. Yep. Oh, that's what healthy healing looks like. Oh, that's Great. what healthy forgiveness looks like. But the reality is that your marriage is still going to be unique to the two of you that are gifted by God Come on. to be an example to the world around you. Some of us are doing... I knew it was going to happen. Oh, there That's we go. It. I don't. Some of us are doing this, and we're we are doing like life and ministry. And so you might, it's easy for us to sit up here and you look at us and it'd be like, oh, that's a good example. I'll just follow that example. And there are things that you're going to look at and you're going to say, yeah, that's healthy. You glean from that, but you don't try to become us. You won't be. And some of you wouldn't survive in our household, frankly, because our house is loud. When we communicate, it's very boisterous. Some of you would just melt and you wouldn't make it. And yep. the reality is that it works for us and that we still are getting somewhere and we're still learning and we're still growing and we're still cultivating yeah. how to do healthy um, communication. And sometimes that is our healthy communication is that we're both just getting the passion out of our heart and onto the table yep. in front of each other. And people like if you've ever played Settlers of Cantan with us, you might think that we are going to get a divorce. We aren't. We're just having healthy competition, which is cultivating a healthy marriage, which right. is cultivating a healthy bedroom. Okay, so the reality is, is that you, it's okay to have like a different kind of relationship. So yep. It's not going to be the same. They're not canned. Yep. You don't, can't just buy your marriage at the grocery store yep. and put it on. Yep. 
It's great. It doesn't work like that. Got to cultivate it. Here's the handle for it. What would happen if we spent as much time working on our marriage as we did desiring that it was something else? And here's what I mean by that. So many times we put, we, we put all of our investment into the desire of it being different rather than putting in our, our investment into the actual working of it. You can dream all day long about having a happy relationship and a healthy relationship, or you can do it. And at the end of the, sometimes I just think we over-spiritualize. Well, I'm praying that my marriage, and those are good, pray, 100%. But you got to work at a certain point. And it, the crazy thing that we've just heard enough over our years of pastoring is that so many people have a tendency to desire more than what they work for. So they look at things on the other side of the fence. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It's just watered more. So what would happen if we stopped looking on the other side of the fence and started watering right where we are at? And you're like, bro, you have no idea. Right now it looks like desert landscape in my marriage. Like an Arizona garden. That's fine. We can still get grass growing. We just got to water it. We just got to tend the soil. We got to plant the right things. And I, I promise you, if you put the work in, hard, devastatingly hard work, and it's arduous and laborious, and it's fought for, and it's desired for sure, and it's prayed over, and it's cultivated, and it's prayed over, and it's cultivated again, and you bring in professionals, and you bring in people to help, we can lock arms with you, and we can handle this thing, but at the end of the day, the best marriages are never canned, they are always cultivated. And if we do that, we do that of healthy relationships. And I really do believe that's what God, God has for us and, and, and wants for us in this season. Erica's gonna pray uh, over us today and then we're just gonna ask that you would continue to keep your heads bowed and I wanna ask one more question this afternoon.